We're thankful to be joined today here on WXAN by former Illinois Governor Rod Blagojevich. Thanks for the time. Thanks for having me, Mayor. It's always a pleasure uh, talking to you and and your listeners out there in southern Illinois, the town of Murfreesboro, a place where I have great memories. So I was watching the news last night, and of course the first phase of the mayoral elections in Chicago were held yesterday, and uh, Lori Lightfoot unseated uh, for the first time in 40 years a Chicago mayor uh, serving only one term. Uh, was Were you expecting uh, from somebody who lives obviously in Chicago, knows uh, the city well, that uh, she was not going to be reelected? Um, in the last, over the last couple of weeks, it became more clear that she was facing a real possibility of not making the runoff. The way it works here in Chicago is that uh, there's a runoff election which will be held on, I think, the 4th of April. Um, if the candidates in the first round, if no candidate gets 50% or more, then the top two candidates face each other in a one-on-one. And so it was pretty much obvious from the beginning that this was going to be a race that was going to go to a runoff because there were so many candidates in the race. I think something like eight or nine. Um, and so therefore, Lightfoot was facing a runoff. Like she, Having said that, in the early stages, the conventional thinking was, and I was part of that, that she was likely to finish second, that she would make the runoff and then it'd be a one-on-one race with Paul Vallis, who from the very beginning looked like he could be the one to finish first because of the demographic voting patterns in Chicago, he being the only uh, white candidate who had the support of the Chicago uh, uh, Fraternal Order of Police. Having said that, as the race unfolded and more and more people got involved in looking closely at the candidates, Lightfoot, the mayor's negatives have been so high. She's been such a ineffective, unsuccessful mayor running the city that it became clear to me maybe 10 days ago that there was a real good chance she wouldn't even make the runoff. And that uh, this young Cook County commissioner, Brandon Johnson, would uh, do what he did, and that is surpass her and become the alternative to Vallis, which is what now we have. Now, you mentioned 1983 was the last time we had uh, an incumbent mayor get beat in a in not win re-election, and that was Jane Byrne. But Jane Byrne finished second in a Democratic primary in 83, which was historic. That was the year Mayor Harold Washington was elected the first black mayor in Chicago history. Uh, it was an election that was uh, really astounded the world because he came pretty much kind of like Brandon Johnson yesterday uh, out of nowhere. Daly's son, the former mayor, Daly, was the front runner in the beginning facing Jane Byrne, but turned out that Byrne finished second, Daly finished third, and Harold Washington had created this big, powerful movement out of the black community, um, search to victory. And Byrne finished second, but she she ran a, a race where she received a lot of votes, something like 36% of the vote. Lori Lightfoot is, I don't know, where is she, 15%, 17% at best? And she ran third. So it's a it's probably the biggest rejection of an incumbent mayor in Chicago history. Uh, it's a rebuke of the way she ran the city. And it's a far cry from the fact that four years ago, it's hard to believe now, but four years ago, she won the general election with 73% of the vote. And uh, it's quite a uh, turn of events. One of the things that I think is going to be very interesting is that Paul Vallis has taken the 
I'm going to say law and order lane and has talked a lot about how he would make uh, last night in his uh, speech. He said he would make Chicago the safest city in America. Uh, You have Mr. Johnson, who is on the record having said that he would like to defund the police. I think that he has uh, tried to distance himself from those comments since then. So I think it'll be very interesting to see with crime a central issue how um, Mr. Johnson is able to tailor a message that resonates with people who are looking for a safety and security candidate. Well, that's exactly what catapulted Paul Vallis to uh, and winning first place yesterday and doing it with a lot, lot, large percentage of the vote. I think he got 36% of the vote and Johnson finished second with 20% of the vote. Um, but Brandon Johnson has on his side the fact that he's the fresh face, he's the new face. He came out of nowhere. People didn't know who he was when this race first began. Very much like Lori Lightfoot four years ago. And there's an advantage in politics when you're sort of unknown and you introduce yourself to the voters the first time. You can do it on your terms as opposed to the terms your opponent would try to uh, have the public see. Having said that, I believe, in my own particular politics, that uh, Brandon Johnson is too far left uh, for the city of Chicago or for anywhere in America. And Paul Vallis will have a strategic need to point that out. And the issue of defunding the police is just one particular issue. Brandon Johnson wants to raise all kinds of taxes on the people, including on businesses. And I'm talking about a a head tax on employees, which will drive businesses out of Chicago and cost jobs, counterproductive. Um, Paul Vallis has the support of the Chicago Fraternal Order of the Police. I think I said that before. He's a very capable, smart guy. Uh, His his admirers and critics call him a policy walk, and that's probably true. In fact, it is true. And uh, I ran against him for governor in 2002, and he finished a close second. And I do believe uh, if he was less of a policy wonk and, frankly, wore his pants a little lower than he does, he'd have beat me. But uh, what you're going to get with him is a guy that's kind of like a professor type and uh, a real smart guy who's capable and competent. And I think in these times in Chicago where people are living in fear, that's a very powerful quality to have. And so that makes Paul Dallas a very strong candidate. Notwithstanding that, you have to look at the demographics. And if you look at the vote last night, it breaks down like it so often does in Chicago based on race and ethnicity. And uh, Brandon Johnson uh, had strong support in the African-American community, but he also received a lot of votes from the white liberal community. Uh, if you take the votes of the other candidates in the race who will no longer be there, let's say the lesser candidates, and that would be Jamal Green, Cam Buckner, uh, Sophia King, and uh, – Roderick Sawyer, and then add those votes to the 8 or 9% that Dr. Willie Wilson got. Those are largely black votes. They're very likely to go to Brandon Johnson. So now suddenly that puts him in a place where he's real close to Vallis. Then you have to look at the votes that uh, Lori Lightfoot received. I looked carefully at the breakdown of the wards, and she won all of most, if not all, of the black wards. And so in all, in, in what may very well happen if it's demographic voting and race plays a big part in this race, no pun intended, and I believe it will. And the Johnson campaign will very much use that dynamic as, as a strong issue for him to win. Uh, he's in a good position to get more of her votes than Paul Vallis would get. And then, of course, Congressman Garcia, 14% of the vote, one-third of the vote of the population in the city is Latino. But Latino voter turnout isn't nearly as high as black turnout or white voter turnout. 
And that's among the reasons why Congressman Garcia underperformed. I thought he was going to be a lot more of a formidable candidate than it turned out to be. You know, Mayor, you got to run your race. You know, it all looks good on paper, but then you got to play the game. And uh, Chewy, well, he didn't really play the game the right way. And when Sunday came, uh, he just didn't move the ball down the field. I'm using football analogies. But where will his vote go? There's a significant left-wing socialist Latino vote in Chicago, including the ward I live in, which incidentally, Brandon Johnson won yesterday with 35% of the vote in the ward that I live in. So a lot of, we have an alder woman here who's a socialist Latina. Um, a lot of that will go to Brandon Johnson. Having said that, there are a lot of conservative, hardworking Latinos who are worried about crime and frankly don't, they want to work hard chase the American dream by pursuing opportunity and they don't want to be taxed to death. So those would be valid votes. So what I'm saying here in a, in a long way, Mayor, I hope I'm not talking too much, but this is going to be a real competitive race. It'll be interesting to see whether Nas- the National Democratic Party comes into Chicago to support Brandon Johnson because Brandon Johnson's strategy is going to be to attack Paul Vallis and call him a Republican because he has certain conservative views. Um, And I would also say this, and I think it's important, just out of fairness, that these two candidates are both Democrats, and they both ought to pledge what I call the 11th commandment. And they ought to say, thou shalt not call the other guy a racist or a misogynist, because none of them are. Having said that, Dallas won't call Johnson that, but I'm not so sure Johnson and Johnson's campaign uh, is going to refrain from calling Dallas that. In fact, if you want to hear my prediction, they're going to be all over Paul Vallis calling him things that he's not. Ron Blagojevich is with us today. Uh, Governor, you've lived in Chicago essentially your whole life, correct? Well, I spent eight years in Colorado, as you know, but I was compelled to go there for politics, not for crimes. And I, I've had jobs in different places like the Alaskan Pipeline, a couple of summer jobs there where the pay was real good and the work was hard. I went to law school out in California where I didn't exactly set the world on fire with my C-minus average, but I got through it. Um, and I've worked in other places, at meatpacking plant in Philadelphia, but for the most part, oh, and then I spent time as a congressman back and forth from Chicago to Washington for six years. But yes, most of my life, Chicago, born and raised in Chicago, we're raising our children here in Chicago. It's our home. We love our city. And we're, you know, like most people in Chicago, we're worried and concerned about the direction of the city. It's a city of high crime. And high taxes. Well, and, and that's and that's what I wanted to ask you because I've spent some time in Chicago in my life, not extensive time there. Uh, my visits to the city have always been where typically a person there on business or there just as a tourist would go. But it's been probably at least seven or eight years since I've been to Chicago. I never felt unsafe in the city of Chicago. Uh, really anywhere I went. Um, but I obviously something has changed, and it's not just political messaging. So can you talk a little bit about the reality of the crime problem in Chicago? Because sometimes things can get used as a political narrative and aren't necessarily true, but that's that's not the case, I don't think, when it comes to crime in Chicago, or or is it? No, you hit it on the head. Yesterday's vote and Paul Vallis' significant advantage when it comes to the division of the votes is a product of people voting real life concerns and fears. And all over the city, uh, that's a very real concern and fear that people have, and that is crime and violent crime. 
and the chaos that goes along with the, the lawlessness that we've experienced in the city, largely due to the failed leadership of uh, Lori Lightfoot and uh, those people who are have taken this position that because of one terrible, wicked cop who wrongfully killed somebody, all police are bad. Now, I had my own experiences with you know law enforcement that are dishonest. Won't go into all of that, but I know from my own life experience that for every bad cop, there's a thousand good ones. You can't say the same thing about politicians. And that I know from my own life experience, having spent eight years in prison living with criminals and having been a governor and having been a prosecutor and having been a lawyer that defended the rights of the accused. In other words, those who've been charged with crime, I've been all of it. I've seen it all. I know as a matter of common sense and life experience that when the cat's away, the mice play. And if the police aren't around, the criminals do what they do. And there are criminals and there are people who, however it happened, will always be those who break the rules and violate the law. And they will prey on the others who are not as strong as they are. And that's what's happened now in Chicago. And what's made, what, what is made today different from before is that this crime wave has spread all over the city. It used to be only confined, largely confined to the poor communities, disproportionately black and brown communities driven largely by gang gang bangers and gang crime. That's still very much the truth. But all of that now has gone over, has, has touched all over the city. And it's really disheartening to see how in the black community, all the suffering and hardship that, you know, citizens in, in those neighborhoods and communities have to face, that the politicians who are supposed to be responsible to keep everybody safe have historically failed to keep the black community safe. And it's counterproductive when you start attacking the very people who are the ones charging the responsibility to keep people safe. Having said that, there are very real reasons and historic reasons and real street reasons to have doubts and concerns about some of the behavior of the police. But the answer isn't to eliminate the police or have fewer police or defund the police. The answer is to make the police better. And I truly believe we need more police. And Vallis ran on a message of more police. And I think that's going to be a a political message that's going to resonate, not because it's a slogan, but because it is a real-life fear on the ground that people are facing in Chicago today. I used to be the governor of Illinois, and I had police and security around my house when I was governor. It's no longer here, hasn't been here for years. But within the last 10 months, there have been three shootings right in front of my house, literally right in front of my house, gangbangers chasing each other down the street, driving from west to east, um, down our street that you can see right in front of the right outside the window and, and the bullet casings were on the street we've had three of them in front of my house where a governor used, you know a former governor used to live so your question is um, absolutely right it's a very different feeling today in chicago and that was that vote yesterday manifested a lot of it now will that be enough to take ballast all the way to the top I think he has a very good chance to win. But on the other hand, I can see what's coming his way. And it'll be, as I said, um, I'm keeping a watchful eye on whether or not, you know, Michelle Obama comes to Chicago to support uh, uh, Johnson, whether Barack Obama comes to Chicago, whether Kamala Harris comes to Chicago, whether Joe Biden comes to Chicago to get in the middle of a race between Democrats. Let's see what happens, because. That would be really unfair to Vallis if that, if that happened. So I ask you the same thing every time. I know what your answer will be. Uh, you don't want to be killed by Patty, but uh, I, pres- I presume that you still have uh, 
very minimal or no interest in pursuing elected office again? Oh, well, you're asking me personally how I feel about that or what's likely to happen? Or not happen. <laughs> well. Look, personally, I'm like a boxer, right, who was once the champion on top of a pretty high place and then got knocked out. And there's, some, there's a part of that that never leaves you. Maybe it's a competitive thing. Maybe it's that you really, you know, felt like you were good at it. You felt like you, you, you had a need, which I truly know about myself, to want to help and do some things that can be helpful to people. You know, for the first time in my life, you know, I'm the youngest child. And, uh, you know, I never sat at the head of the table. And on Thanksgiving, I never carved the turkey. But when I was governor, suddenly I, you know, I'm sitting at the head of the table and I had all of this power. And it was exciting because you can actually really do meaningful things for people. And do I miss that? I do. And do I watch the election last night and feel like I kind of wish I was in that game? I have to confess I do. And do I watch that and think, boy, in spite of my baggage, which is substantial, could I have competed last night in that election? I think I could have. I mean, frankly, all you need is like, what, 20%, 21% of the vote to make it in the runoff. But then I have to say to myself, in view of everything that's happened to my family, my children, our two, our two daughters, our two young daughters, Patty. Uh, it's almost impossible to think that I could ever go back into that life and put them through that again and to relive all of the stuff that's happened and all that stuff that comes back because politics is such a rough and tumble sport. And, you know, as you know, Mayor, they, 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 they lie, they cheat, they throw all kinds of stuff at you, and, you know, it's a tough business. And so the likelihood of me ever you know, acting on that feeling that I have is probably slim to none. It would be actually a very selfish thing for me to do, I think, unless I could somehow get Patty on board. And I got to tell you, um, that would be, well, <laughs> that's that's about as likely as, let's say, Lori Lightfoot becoming president of the United States. Well, one of my favorite sayings about something unlikely is it's uh, the chances are slim to none and slim just left town. Well said. Yeah. Well said. From Illinois, Governor Rod Blagojevich has been our guest today. Governor, thanks for the time. We'll catch up with you again soon. Appreciate you, Mayor. Thank you.